One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Inflammation Nation, and we're talking about autonomous health still. Today, I want to talk about the link between thoughts, actions, habits, and your future, obviously, as it relates to your health. You know, this whole idea of autonomous health really presupposes that your health actually means something to you and that you're at the point where you're willing to take control of things by changing what is in your power to change. I saw a post on social media a couple of days ago from a guy named James Clear. You might want to check him out. He wrote a book, a very well-known book at this point, called Atomic Habits. And in that book, he says that the costs of your good habits are in the present, but the cost of your bad habits are in your future. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, when, when you choose to make beneficial modifications to your diet and your lifestyle today, you know, that means you have to give up something that you're currently doing that's either taking away from your health or at the very least, it's not helping it. You know, and, and that thing that you give up today is the cost of adopting something better, a better habit in today's present time. In other words, it, it, adopting a new and better habit cost you your old ones. But the cost of keeping those bad habits isn't something that you pay today. It's something that you pay down the road. And this matches up perfectly well with our understanding that about 80% of chronic diseases are rooted in bad habits associated with your diet and with your lifestyle and how those ongoing daily choices impact your genetic expression over time. And it seems like, you know, like when you're in your 20s and your 30s, it seems like we can get away with a lot, whether that's a not so perfect diet or, you know, maybe it's just a, an inconsistent or not even a, a habit of exercising. But those present day habits carry a future cost. And it's the health that you have or you don't have in your 50s, your 60s and beyond. Um, you know, I think that I mentioned this in a, one of the podcast episodes, probably somewhere around a year ago where I was teaching a seminar, a functional medicine seminar to doctors in, I believe I was in Manhattan. And there was a doctor there, he was a cardiologist, retired cardiologist, but he was getting into natural or functional medicine. And we had a conversation on a break and he said, you know, what I've seen in my practice is that if people take care of themselves in their 40s and 50s, then their 60s, 70s and 80s really are pretty much a breeze. And I have to say that I have observed the same thing, uh, not from a cardiology standpoint, just from a general health and wellness standpoint. And remember that a lot of this is about your phenotype, right? How your genetic potential gets modified for better or for worse by the habits that you practice over time. Now, here's another famous quote, uh, the origin, the origin, I should say, of 
this quote is a little bit obscure. It's been attributed to many different people. Ralph Waldo Emerson is probably the most common one, but also the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. I'm going to modify it just a bit to match the conversation we're having here right now. And that the quote goes like this, watch your words because I'm sorry, watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions and watch your actions because they become your habits and your habits become your destiny. So whoever it was that actually made this quote originally basically links your thought process to your choices and your habits, which ultimately determine your future, which is exactly why in the last episode, I said that you have to rethink how you think. And it might be useful for you to spend some time pondering or reflecting on this question. Are you making decisions about getting healthy because you're trying to avoid something or because you're trying to create something? Let me clarify that. You, you can make a choice to clean up your diet and your lifestyle, maybe take some supplements because you don't want certain symptoms that you have right now, whether that's fatigue, brain fog, thyroid symptoms, it doesn't matter. You might also find yourself in a situation where you have maybe an, an aging or elderly parent who has had heart attacks or strokes, or maybe maybe they're showing signs or have full-blown dementia. And, and you're sitting there thinking, I, you know, I don't want to become like my mom or I don't want to become like my dad. And so I'm doing things today to not be that. And I'll tell you that that is completely different than doing things today because you have a very clear vision of what you want your future to look like, what you want to be, not what you don't want to be. So again, if the goal that you're after is simply not to be tired or not to have a bad gut or whatever your main challenge is, then your choices may avoid that one thing, but they don't necessarily create something that's really good and positive. But if the if you make choices based on creating something positive and powerful, then it tends to take care of the thing that you want to avoid, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond simply not having some symptoms to having true vitality. So again, it's better to have a clear vision of who you want to be and how you want to feel and function and make your decisions to support that. It's almost like a process of reverse engineering. It's the, it's the, it's the difference between just not wanting to be like the old you or like someone else that you're looking at and, and wanting to be the best version of you. And so here's the danger. When your motivation and your thoughts about are about avoidance, you tend to stop too soon in the process. What I mean is that you, you do just enough to stop or control a symptom for example, but you may not take any necessary steps to go from, to go beyond from being symptom free to actually being full of vigor and vitality. But if your thoughts are focused on the best version of you, you're trying to create something rather than just avoid something. You know, the person who's energetic, the person who is very functional, very capable then resolving symptoms becomes only one step along the way to greatness. 
and I, I can speak from a physiological perspective, that most people have symptom resolution before their root causes are fully resolved or well controlled. And I can say that another way. Number one, physiology goes wrong before your symptoms appear. Like whatever your symptoms are, the, the root cause that underlies that was in development before the symptoms actually began. So physiology goes wrong before symptoms show up. And the reverse is somewhat true as well. Symptoms often improve, sometimes even disappear, before bad physiology is fully corrected. So if your goal is to avoid symptomatology, just get rid of it, then you tend to stop too quickly when the symptoms get better or go away. The underlying physiology and root cause still is there. So, you know, it's not enough to try to prevent disease or to prevent bad health outcomes. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's far better to set out with the intent of creating wellness. Because doing one, if you're, if you're pursuing symptom freedom, that doesn't necessarily create wellness. But creating wellness pretty much guarantees that you control or eliminate the things that you're afraid of. It is a necessary transition in your mindset, in your thoughts, which become your words, which becomes your actions, which become your habits, which becomes your future. It's a necessary transition to go from running away from something bad to running towards something good. And that brings me to my second point for today, is that like once you have a clear picture of who you want to become and you've chosen to pursue creating wellness rather than just avoiding things that are negative and undesirable. That clear picture, that positive image of the best version of you, once you have that in your mind, where do you go next? Now, I'm willing to bet that most of you, I, I know that some practitioners follow this podcast, but you know, most of you probably don't have any training as healthcare professionals. And that might mean that you don't have the required knowledge base to know where to start or what to do. And, and so if you're in that circumstance, you pretty much have two choices, right? You, you either start learning on your own or you hire someone to help you. And maybe there's a third option and, and that's doing both. And this is part of becoming autonomous or independent of conventional medicine is to learn and to know and to do the things that are under your control. Of course, it does start with knowledge and information. But that third option is choosing to do what you can on your own, what you know to do. And then maybe partnering with someone else, like me perhaps, to literally delegate what you can't do for yourself. And, and I use that word delegate intentionally. There are far too many people who abdicate or abandon responsibility for their health, and they put it in the hands of other people. But delegation is something completely different. You know, I will tell you that all of the clients that I work with in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, they know that I am responsible to them, but I'm not responsible for them. I want to just think about that for a second and what the difference is, right? I can teach someone, I can coach them, I can advise them, I can cheer them on whichever word or description you like better. But at the end of the day, 
your health is your responsibility and nobody's else, nobody else's. And maybe that means we can draw a distinction then between functional living and functional medicine, where functional medicine is that partnership with someone, again, maybe like me, who digs for root causes, who sees the bigger picture, and then can advise you, maybe with the helps of, of diagnostics, etc. So functional medicine is something that I do, whereas functional living is all about you. Right? It's the actions and the habits that you practice every single day and every week and every month that spring up from that deep inner desire to not just be symptom-free, but to be vibrant and living an optimal and functional life and doing it in a way today that protects your future. You know, like James Clear said, the cost of not making these changes, the cost of not taking full responsibility for your health is a future that you don't want. I know it's not. Nobody wants to succumb to the ravages over time of things like diabetes, obesity, heart disease, dementia, even cancer. One with the the chronic burden of inflammatory disease. And, and these things, these are burdens that affect not only you, but those around you that you love and that love you. It takes a lot of effort to care for someone, for example, who has had a heart attack or a stroke or slips into dementia states. But I want you to know that when I say you have to take full responsibility for your health doesn't mean that you do everything yourself. It doesn't mean that you go it alone. The CEO, for example, of, of large corporations or a large corporation is technically and legally responsible for the actions of the entire corporation itself. But the CEO as a single person can't do all of the actions that all of the employees perform. They can't. They, they don't know everything. They can't do everything. And so they delegate to others who can. But in doing so, in delegating responsibilities to other people so that more can be accomplished more effectively, that doesn't diminish that CEO's sense of ownership and responsibility. And I guess I could say that you are the CEO of your health and your wellness. And there's nothing wrong with partnering with someone and delegating certain things that you don't know, that you don't understand, or maybe to get access to things like certain diagnostic tests that you don't have access to on your own. So just like that CEO, you, you really, we all, so I don't want to keep pointing fingers, include myself in this, we all need to take full ownership of our thoughts, our habits, and ultimately our health. But that doesn't mean you can't delegate by working with an expert in functional medicine. But it means that when you do, that person comes alongside you as an advisor, but you are still in charge. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. In the next episode, we're going to talk about something called the exposome. Pretty sure most of you probably haven't heard that, but it's all over the medical literature. And this is really research that links diet, lifestyle, and environment and how that impacts gene expression. We've talked about it. In general, before we're going to dive into a little bit more detail next time when we meet on the Inflammation Nation podcast.